Some people are just too stubborn to know when to quit. And this guy just happens to be one of them. He's been beaten down repeatedly by God's practical jokes. He's been banished to the deepest, darkest corners of the internet. From somewhere in desert Urbania, this is Michael Groff in Exile. You'd figure after being off the air for three months, I'd probably be able to come on and just jump right into it right away. I feel a little bit out of my element right now, to be completely honest with you. I, I'm a little confused. I'm not exactly sure what I'm supposed to do here. I, I know there's the microphone, and it's you, and it's me, and we're just sitting here talking about whatever, as we always do. It's the same show, basically. It's just that now we're... Well, as the as the new title sort of suggests, this is Michael Groff in exile, and there's there's quite a few reasons that that title just seems to work for the show. But we'll get into that. I'm sure the other question is, and listen, I have no idea how many people are even going to hear this. I have no idea how many people are listening. But I know that the question that would probably be on most people's minds is like, what happened? Where am I? Where have I been? How do I feel about Topic X? What's with the new intro? Well, I, answering the last question first, this this is mostly my own composition. Um, a lot of stuff I put together here. You can listen to a little of it here. It's got a little of the feel of the old intro. But it's something that... Um, I did a little sampling of and then uh, also uh, composed a lot on the keyboard, so. Alright. It's been a, a weird few months. Uh, that's grossly understated. 
But um, yes, this is Michael Graff in exile. Yes, we are still broadcasting from deep in the heart of Desert Urbania, Phoenix, Arizona. That's where we do the show to you from. Each and every day is my uh, kind of hope here, at least weekdays. I'm going to try and uh, make this sort of a daily podcast. Although right now, you know, with it being the holidays, we'll, we'll sort of take what we can get on that, all right? But uh, I, listen, I've, I've just had so many things I've wanted to talk about, so many things that have been burning within me here that I've wanted to get this back on the air for a long time, but I've had a lot of personal issues. Um, as well as a lot of technical issues, what would I be? What would my life be if if, if it weren't for technical problems? Um, I've had a, a host of those. The reason that we went off the air in the first place was because of a technical issue. The motherboard in the old production machine went out. And then I bought a new one. I bought a new motherboard. And had that installed. But, of course, that, that computer just can't get on the network, so I can't access a lot of the old stuff from the, uh, from the other hard drives, including the old intro and everything. Otherwise, I would have probably just used the old intro. I would have really been lazy. Um, so I don't even know exactly where to start here. Let me... I guess I'll get into what's been going on the last few months. First of all, I... Um, I have to tell you that, just to be nothing but totally honest, the last uh, several months of my life have really been about uh, the most difficult time of my life. I, I've never had a more difficult run uh, than I've had since uh, late August or early September. It's just been three or four months of absolute hell and misery for me personally. And uh, not being able to do this show is part of that hell and misery. And that's part of the reason why I'm, I'm doing this podcast and trying to get things back uh, running and going again. Um, because I, my life has just been in such a great state of flux. I've had a lot of um, personal issues, um, a lot of uh, career sort of issues, the technical issues, and, and just things that have gone on and, and battling depression um, and all that. So it's, it's, been, it's been tough. It, it really has. And uh, I'm sure I'll probably get into it or let it slip out uh, sort of some of the things that have gone on. Some of the people that know me best um, will sort of be able to understand where I'm coming from. But uh, so I don't mean to speak cryptically and I, I've been nothing but honest with uh, you and with people all the time. It's what gets me in trouble frequently. But um, I really, um, it really has been rough. And hopefully getting this, this podcast going, getting a show going once again, is really going to help things out uh, quite a bit, sort of steering things around. First of all, the, the new name for the show, Michael Graff in Exile, it's very apropos. Um, I've been exiled in my personal life, in my professional life, and just in general uh, from planet Earth, it seems. So I, I just figured that that was sort of, um, I figured that was sort of the best title for the show. Um, we're not even really zip code famous anymore. I mean, I, I am personally kind of zip code famous, um, but I don't know. It just seemed like a great title at the time when I, when I thought of it uh, about a month ago. And so it's sort of stuck since. Um, you know, when I wanted to come back, initially I was getting ready to record a, a series of podcasts back in October. And the big scandal that was going on back then was David Letterman. And a lot of people were messaging me saying, man, you got to love this David Letterman thing. You must be just burning to get back on the air. And I thought, with everything that's gone on since, 
Boy, that's like such old news. Who even cares about David Letterman anymore? I mean, at least the guy, we now know that David Letterman is indeed human. I mean, thank God for that. But these last few months have really taught me several things. Um, number one, uh, there's, look, you learn a lot of life's lessons. You learn that people aren't necessarily who they always say they are, or who they represent themselves to be. Sometimes you learn that the people that you have been aligned with, you no longer are aligned with. And sometimes you learn that the people that you have maligned and some of the people that I've maligned throughout my career and that I've maligned on the air and, and berated and done bits about, sometimes you learn that maybe those people, you know, maybe you, you find yourself maybe siding with them a little bit philosophically. And no, I'm not talking about Barack Obama, okay? Because, <laughs> you know, my, uh, my feelings on that are, are still pretty much the same. Um, I, I certainly have a lot of thoughts on what's gone on with health care, with Obama, with Afghanistan, with the economy. And certainly I want to talk about some of that as well. But there's other things, too. I mean, Tiger Woods, uh, this scandal has just gotten so out of control. And, and by and large, uh, some of the sentiment that people have is like, just who cares? Who cares about Tiger Woods? Who cares about whether or not he's banging everybody under the sun? Who cares if Tiger Woods is the biggest scumbag on planet Earth? You know, uh, and, and I would tend to agree with that in, in a lot, in a lot of ways, but not entirely. There's certainly some aspects to the story that I would like to talk about and we're going to get into. Um, what else? And then, I don't know, just some other random things that are just going on as well. Uh, still the stupid news file. We, we Listen, uh, there's been so much stupid news that's gone on the last three months as well. There's like a great 911 call I've wanted to play. There's actually a couple of great 911 calls I've wanted to play. Um, there's a lot of uh, great sound bites that I wanted to get into. Look, since, since we went on hiatus, here's some of the other things that happened. I mean, just things I have in my notes. Uh, the Yankees won the World Series, which was greatly disappointing. Uh, we tried. We tried for another winless season out of the Cleveland Browns. That didn't work out so well. And they actually beat the Steelers, which, you know, was great. Um, I'm just looking at uh, some of the things that have gone on uh, this year. So far, the Indianapolis Colts are undefeated. Can they make it a perfect season and try to do what the Patriots could not quite accomplish? I mean, they, they did go 16-0 in the regular season, but they couldn't finish it in the Super Bowl. Maybe they will. So as you can tell, I'm very scatterbrained right now. And that's kind of how I wanted to do this show. Listen, I didn't sit down and do a, a ton of prep. I mean, I have my... I have a lot of stuff, okay? I have a lot of stuff here, but it's just the kind of stuff that I'm reading through every single day anyway. So it's not like I did special prep just to do this podcast. And I kind of, I felt that if I did, I would probably be sitting here and talking for hours and hours. And I might still yet do that. There's a lot of things that I don't know. Like, I don't know how the format of this is going to go. I'm going to probably do it just like I did the other, the other show. We're going to do like three segments. I'm still going to put breaks in because I plan on archiving this just like I did the old show and uh, probably uh, once again airing it uh, just like we did the old show. But, you know, this thing is going to have a different dynamic, I think. Um, I don't know if we can do this like we did the old show. I, I really don't know. There's a lot of things I don't know about right now. I don't have all the answers for. I'm just doing this and hoping for the best and hoping that people listen. Listen, I don't know. I honestly, I don't know if anybody's even going to listen. Literally, probably zero people will listen to this. I am, I'm kind of convinced of that. But if that's the case, then it's my own personal sort of uh, 
Uh, it's my own time capsule. It's my own blog, I guess, that I can just sit here and put out there to, uh, to whoever wants to hear it and whoever wants to listen in and whatever parts of the show you want to listen into. I mean, that's fine. All right, and I also know that people have questions, and we're going to try to address that as well. So uh, we'll get into all of that and a whole lot more. Now, will we do the show live again? I, I don't know. That's another question that we sort of have to figure out, how we're going to do this show regularly, live, what kind of schedule. Again, I, I was sort of talking about that just a few minutes ago. Just a lot of things to think about. In a way, I, I sort of left all that up in the air because I honestly don't know. I don't have a good feel for it right now. I don't know how my personal schedule is going to go or what I'll be doing in a few months. I have, I do have a couple of plans, which involve not being here anymore. But that's that's highly dependent on several factors, and God knows if I can make all that happen. But regardless, what we're gonna do right now is just take a little bitty break here. I'm still going to have bumpers in here because I like music. We're going to still have some elements of the old show in here just because that's how I want it. It's my show. Right? It's Michael Groff in Exile. It's a great title. All right, we'll be back. In exile, we're back. Yes, back from our three-month hiatus. Spread the word. Get the word out. The podcast is returning. The show is back, sort of. It is, um, I know I've done a terrible job with the intro here, with sort of getting back into it. But this is just, again, this is just a live-to-tape sort of session, basically. It's Tuesday, December 22nd, 2009. By the way, I turned 32 uh, two weeks ago. Don't think that wasn't totally depressing. That really was. That that hurt. You know, I've been doing this show since I was 20. How old was I when I started doing this show? I was 22 years old when I started doing this show. 22. It was September of 2000. If your cup is empty. 
That is scary. And, you know, I'm, I'm also kind of depressed because it's, it's the holiday season. And, you know, a lot of people are supposed to love this kind of, this time of year and everything. I know that's like the big thing. Oh, man, you got to get into the holiday spirit. I don't want to be a Mr. Scrooge here, okay? I don't, I don't want to be that guy, but I am that guy right now because I'm stressed because I don't really have a lot of money. And last night, I have to tell you this, I bought my mom a, a, a Christmas gift last night. I don't know. I don't think the odds, my mom, uh, the, the odds of her hearing this podcast are incredibly minute. So, so I, buy, I buy my mom this Christmas present and, and I had no idea it was this expensive. She wanted this perfume, this specific perfume. And, um, oh my God, it was, uh, it, it had to be, it had to be, uh, well, it was, let me see. So my receipt, it was like $106. This perfume, and then they had some, you know, accessories with it and everything. And they're like, "Well, the perfume." This guy, I don't know, some gay guy sold it to me. I don't know, it was at uh, Dillard's or something. It's like, well, okay, so um, or Macy's, yeah, at Macy's. So the guy's like, "Well, okay, so the perfume is like uh, it's eighty four ninety five, but um, if you get this uh, these accessories that go with it, we have a, a cream and a." And, uh, you know, this body lotion, all this stuff that goes with it. So if you get all these accessories, uh, normally those are another $56, but we're going to throw them into this, uh, this handy little case here uh, for a total of $98. So then after like taxes, like 106 bucks, I was like, oh my God, that's like five times more than I, I can't afford anything. But I, I did it. I have no idea how I'm even going to pay any other bills. Uh, I, have, uh, I have my, uh, my, hold on, over here I've got my, uh, my internet bill. My internet slash phone bill, which is like 190 bucks. So uh, this would be a great time to promote this. Uh, if you want to donate to the show and to my holiday fund, uh, you can do so by going uh, by sending uh, money to my PayPal account. That's still up there. It's Mike at KMGX.com. By the way, that's still our email address. I still have the email, though um, I've got to clean out the spam again. I don't have the uh, I don't have access to it through Outlook right now because that was all on the other machine. But I can still get to it through webmail. So Mike at KMGX.com, still the email address for the show. Michael Groff Show on AOL Instant Messenger. That is still the, uh, you know, our AOL Instant Messenger screen name for the show. You can still go to our IRC channel. EFNet IRC Net Radio is the channel. But yeah, anyway, I am I'm completely just stressed out about the holidays. I bought um, the people in my immediate family gifts and that's it. I didn't get any gifts for any of my friends. And I feel bad. Listen, I feel douchey about it. Now, my friends didn't get me anything either, so that's fine. But, I mean, I, I still, I wish, believe me, if I had a lot of money, I would be getting people gifts. And I know people are going to say, well, you know, Mike, it's not really about the, the getting gifts for people necessarily. You know, it's just, yeah, it, it kind of is. I mean, let's face it. That's, this, that's what society wants us to do. You have to get gifts for people. You know, that's kind of the whole thing. I mean, I got gifts for... My, my mom, my brother, my mom's boyfriend, and that's it. And that's it. You know, it's like, wow, you didn't get anything for your grandma? No, I didn't. I'm sorry. Listen, I mean, she gives me, she, listen, she sent me some uh, very, very generous Christmas gifts. My, my grandma always sends me money. And um, my grandma, my uncle, they send me money. And by the way, money is the greatest gift. It is the best gift. People say it's tacky, it's thoughtless. To me, Somebody that gets me money is, it, that is a phenomenal gift. I mean, I don't mind other gifts. Don't get me wrong. But I, in fact, I'm pretty much, I'm the kind of guy that almost never looks a gift horse in the mouth. 
whatever that expression even means. I, I'm, I am not that person, except I, I always tell the story every year about the, man, about, I, I've gotten a couple of really bad gifts throughout the years. I've gotten a couple of really, really bad gifts. And I mean, the, the, their, their hearts were in the right place, but I mean, they were just not me at all. And uh, like, I got this sweater once that was like, uh, it was maybe the most hideous design sweater I've ever seen in my life. At first, it was like a puke green kind of color and it had a pattern like somebody threw up on it. I'm pretty sure that actually somebody did throw up on that sweater and they put it out in the sun for a while and then they decided to, you know, just give it to me. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. And I mean, by the way, that sweater probably cost like 150 bucks or something. And I felt really bad for hating it and then never wearing it. But uh, it was, that was one of the worst uh, gifts ever. And then this, I got this hat once that was, uh, I can't even begin to tell you what was wrong with that. Um, so listen, I've gotten some bad gifts. And then I've gotten some other things, some other trinkets and things that were just, they're not me. Like whoever gets them for me, they don't really know who I am. They just sort of get them for me. But um, I don't know. So, and then a couple of random people sent me some cards. So that was cool. Um, but I'm still, I'm very stressed out about the whole thing. I really am. But uh, enough about that for now. Let, let's get to something that's far better. And that's the misery of somebody else. Uh, this Tiger Woods story, this is just phenomenal. And, and I know people are probably tired of hearing about it, but I haven't had a chance to comment on it publicly yet. So I have to delve into this. Besides, America is fascinated by this story. It's the number one searched phenomenon on Google right now. It's just, it's everywhere. Never in my life have I seen a professional athlete fall so far from grace and so far out of favor with the public in general. This was a guy that had a relatively clean track record. He was a relatively squeaky clean athlete. I mean, everybody was proud of this guy. He was, you know, he was almost bigger than the sport. Almost. I, you can tell just by the TV ratings that Tiger Woods got whenever he was in uh, competition on the last day of an event or in any kind of... Uh, and I'm not just talking about majors either. We're talking about regular golf tournaments. People were tuning in in droves just to watch this guy everywhere. So, I, but now the popularity, he had an 84% approval rating back in uh, June of 2005. And now in the most recent poll that they did, Tiger Woods, here he is, approval, 33%. This guy's had a bigger drop than Barack Obama in the approval numbers, which I didn't think was possible, but... Well, turns out he has, by a small margin anyway, 33%. His unfavorability rating, by the way, this is just like the president, his unfavorability rating is like 60%, Tiger Woods. I mean, the whole story broke right around Thanksgiving. And I remember it was a weird thing because you heard that Tiger Woods got in an accident and he hit a fire hydrant and then he hit a neighbor's tree and um, the police were called out and there was some investigation that went on there. And then you heard some weird stuff like about maybe some abuse that went on, like Tiger Woods' wife, uh, uh, Aline, uh, beat the crap out of him. And then, and then supposedly that didn't happen, but she pulled him out of the car that crashed over three rows of seats. She pulled him out from the back, which nobody believed that story. The whole thing was fishy from the start. And then, lo and behold, 
the first mistress comes out of the woodwork. And what was the first mistress? I think that was the Jamie Grubbs, right? Is that the first one? And then it was Rachel Lucatel, and then all the others started falling like dominoes after that. I might have those two backwards, but whatever. Look, the story is fascinating, but I mean, I can't even, there's so many mistresses, I can't even keep track of who's first and who's second. I know that those two were one and two in some order. Anyway, so uh, she comes out and says, yeah, I was with Tiger and it was a whole thing. And at first she didn't want to talk. And then the other woman came out and started talking. And then the first woman said, oh, well, she wanted the spotlight. I mean, these people were stepping over each other to make sure that they let everybody know that they indeed stooped Tiger Woods. And that's why his wife beat the crap out of him. And, and I mean, can you blame her, really? So uh, the, that's how the story started out. And it got just weirder and weirder from there. You know, after the first two or three women came out, then Tiger Woods issues this apology, this sort of blanket statement on his website, you know, apologizing to his fans and everybody else. But that wasn't enough, clearly, because then... About since then, since the first two, I think now we're at a total of what, 16 women that have come forward, 16 or 17 women. It's something like that. Anything from a woman that works at a pancake house. We've got pancake house and porn stars and then everything in between. We've got models. We've got cocktail waitresses. We've got pancake house workers, somebody that worked at a Perkins um, yeah, we get somebody that's a, that was a porn star. We've got everything. People talking about Tiger Woods and that he's well endowed, supposedly, and that he's a freak. So let me break this down for you. I think the very first question that I asked when this came out, and it's a question that I've asked about Michael Jordan. It's the same question that I've had for all these guys, Michael Jordan, Charles Barkley, Shaquille O'Neal, all these people. And that is, why do professional athletes get married while they're still active? It's something I've never understood. Why do professional athletes get married while they're still playing? It's never going to work out. This has been a universal equation for failure since the inception of professional sports. It really has. Let's think about this. And, and sports columnists will back me up on this. Other athletes will back me up on this. This has been written about in book after book, covered in story after story. So this is a relatively fair assessment. Professional athletes who get married and that, remain, that are still active when they get married, 90% of them, thereabouts, cheat on their wives. I mean, that's in, it's an insanely high number, but that's pretty accurate. Uh, the, the ones that don't are the rare exception. I mean, as far as we know, there's been, I can only think of a couple off the top of my head that, uh, as far as I know, have had a clean reputation, but almost everybody else has not. And again, you know, they all get caught sooner or later. Again, Charles Barkley, Michael Jordan, Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, I mean, the list goes on and on of infidelity and, and all this now Tiger Woods. And you know what it is, is you're going on the road. And golf is an international sport, okay? Tiger Woods is going to Australia. He's going to, to the UK. He's going all, all over Europe. He's, he's everywhere, uh, as well as around the United States. I mean, you've got women that are, all, that are everywhere. Temptation is everywhere. What are you doing getting married? What the heck? It just doesn't make sense. So I've never understood why an athlete, especially somebody that's worth a billion dollars, you're going out there and getting married, you know there's just way too much to lose. 
How dumb are these guys? And, you, you know, you can say, well, it's, you know, they have to make the choice. You know, it's, it's, it's bad choices. It's giving into temptation. That's the point. That's why they shouldn't get married in the first place. Never understood that. Why professional athletes get married? Man, it's just, it, it is always the formula for failure. There are just so many aspects to this story that are puzzling to me. Um, once you get past the obvious question that I've asked a hundred times, why professional athletes get married? Uh, Tiger Woods, you know, it's not like he was going out and getting one night stands from these women either. This is a guy who was forging serious relationships with these women and very controlling, jealous relationships. He's, if you read, I mean, the, the text messages are out from this guy. He's constantly texting these women and he's, he's implying all the time that they're, that since they're not with him, they're probably going to go out and get banged by somebody else. And he's always got his thumb on these women. Like he is so controlling and domineering almost. It's kind of scary. He's got a jealous thing. And, and why forge long-term relationships with these women? You know, I mean, go out. Okay, yeah, a lot of these other guys, you know, go out and have one-night stands. They have bangathons. You know, they they have uh, a couple of girls. They have a few girls that they hit up in in city X and Y and Z. But you know, they don't generally get into relationships with these people. But Tiger Woods, man, he's doing that. And you know what that is? That's totally a. Uh, a love me daddy kind of complex. You know, his dad pushed him so hard and he had such a, uh, such that, that incredible pressure from his father growing up. He was constantly seeking approval from his dad. It was never giving him um, all that. I mean, listen, if you've ever read the book, if you ever read the biography, if you, you, you know anything about Tiger Woods, I mean, his dad was just constantly there, just pushing, 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 pushing. And, you know, in some ways it made Tiger a, a great golfer. And it made him a, a, a terrific player, but at the same time, it makes him a, a deplorable human being for the most part. You're constantly seeking attention. I mean, listen, I, I, I know there's, people are that way. People want approval. There's nothing wrong with wanting approval necessarily, but Tiger Woods takes it to such an extreme. And that's really the crux of the problem here. I mean, getting into relationships, that's, that's a whole other dangerous territory. And somebody ought to tell Tiger Woods he's doing it wrong. That's not how it's generally supposed to be done. If you're going to cheat, and the other thing is, yeah, if you're going to cheat, make it somebody worthwhile. I mean, look, this, you see this woman for this Perkins? Not very hot. Not very hot at all. Every one of my girlfriends that I've ever had in my life is hotter than the chick that worked at Perkins. Every single one of them. <laughs> That's just, I'm telling you right now, this woman, this is... This is something that, you know, a guy that, that works uh, construction in uh, Joplin, Missouri, you know, gets somebody that looks like that. Probably even does better than that. I mean, sorry, if we're looking purely at physicality here, that's just, I'm sorry, but that's just how it is. Anyway, look, so that's uh, one aspect of this story that I found weird that the guy is just getting into relationships with, with these women. And now, of course, his wife is divorcing him. It's going to cost him probably half of his money because, you know, he's going to offer her something. He's going to step up. He's going to say, all right, look, uh, here's whatever. Here's 50 million bucks. Get out of my life. But that's not going to be enough. She's going to say, no, 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 dude, you're worth a billion dollars. You're worth probably more than a billion dollars. Okay, I'm taking half and you're lucky I don't take more than that. 
And then can you imagine the spousal support that she, that he's going to have to pay probably and the child support? He's probably going to have to pay $200,000 a month in child support or something ridiculous like that. And that's really the, the victims here, by the way. The real victims in this case are the children. You can say, yeah, well, what about his wife, Eline? Yeah, you know what? Maybe she's the victim here. Maybe not. I mean, she's going to make out like a bandit. I mean, she's probably already uh, getting it on with some other dude. Probably. She's probably going to get back at Tiger that way. You can imagine. One would have to sort of presume that a woman that gets married to a professional athlete kind of knows what they're getting into. If you're a woman and you're hooking up with a professional athlete, um, you're either looking for A, money, B, power slash fame, C, you're a gold digger, you know, and you, you want to somehow get... You want to be known as sort of the wife of said athlete or you're looking to glom on, get the gravy train going. Maybe, yeah, you're attracted to the guy and you're going to get, you know, professional athlete sex, but you're also going to get to glom on to everything else, the lifestyle that goes along with it. Not just the money and the fame either, but there's, there's a whole subculture that comes along with being the wife of a professional athlete. So you're glomming onto that. Chances are it's not love. Now, the other aspect of this story that really gets my blood boiling are the sanctimonious sports writers and these completely holier-than-thou, righteous indignation sort of sports talk show hosts and talking heads on TV. These guys that sit here and they lambast Tiger Woods and they try to talk about what a scumbag, what a loser Tiger Woods is. And they get on their high horse and they tell you, well, if I was married to... I mean, have you seen Eileen? Uh, if I was married to her, I'd never cheat. Well, number one, you're not. And number two, you can't say that because you're not living that lifestyle. You are middle class, like, you know, middle five figures kind of earner who writes at some crappy paper someplace or works on radio station X someplace, okay? And you have your nice little cush, little middle-class lifestyle, but you're not worth a billion dollars. You're not even worth a million dollars. And you probably have faced temptations like, you know, some chick at Hooters who, you know, you may be flirty with. And that's the closest thing you're ever going to get to any kind of other relationship in your life. So it's very easy for you to sit there and say, well, God, if I was Tiger Woods, I'd never leave her. What a scum he is. You don't know. And I'm not saying what Tiger Woods did is right. And I'm certainly not justifying it at all. But I'm just saying that I'm tired of other people trying to get on their moral high horse and their moral soapbox. And they've suddenly appointed themselves the morality monitor for people like Tiger Woods and everybody else. Yeah, what he did was wrong. And it's wrong because, number one, it's wrong to do that to another human being. Number two, it's wrong to do that if you have children. Okay, it's wrong to do that if you've made a commitment to somebody. You've taken what is supposed to be a, a sacred commitment. You know, uh, we've seen how sacred marriage is, but, you know, a commitment like that and ruined it. But look, um, you know, it happens every day. People make promises to other people and then they don't keep them. You know, this is just what happens. It happens to middle-class schlub that's writing in a sports column someplace, and it happens to billionaire athletes. It happens all the time, period. So, I mean, I, I really get tired of people that sit there and they, they have a Tiger Woods bash fest when, um, you know, look, 
I don't, and listen, I don't care if you bash him for what he did, but don't sit there and try and make yourself seem holier than thou as a result. And then the other aspect of the story that's also kind of mind-numbingly stupid is the women that call these sports talk shows and these other shows, and they say, well, uh, I would never, I would never do anything like that. Tiger Woods is a piece of crap. He's a scum. Meanwhile, it's your gender. It's people in your gender that are the reason that his marriage is breaking up right now. It's people such as yourself. See, it's, again, it's very easy to say when you are middle class, house frau, someplace calling a sports talk show. But if you were standing there and you had the goods, and as we've seen from Tiger, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to be a, a 10. You can be about a four and a half. And if you were standing there before Tiger and he caught your eye and he said, hey, hey, baby, you know, why don't we, uh, why don't you come uh, by and check out, you know, why don't you come hang out with me later after the event here? Why don't you come, we're going to have a little dinner. Probably come up to my room, you know, keep it on the, on the down low, you know, and uh, why don't you come hang out? You would probably say yes in a heartbeat. Miss Chicky, who's calling the sports talk show. Oh, I would never, I would never, you know, Tiger Woods is such a piece of crap. Yeah, right. If you had a crowd, and look, he's already shown, he gives these women money. He's giving them money. Listen, I have to play this. This is, this is weird. So this is, and this just speaks to the character of Tiger Woods too, by the way. <laughs> but this is just kind of funny. Never get into relationships with women. If you're going to cheat, don't get into relationships with the women that you're cheating with. Because, I mean, it's just, it's bad news if you're married. Because uh, women, they'll save your text messages, as we've seen. They will save your email. They will save your voicemail. And then uh, the next thing you know, here, I got I to gotta play this. The next thing you know, uh, you're going to have this. This is the Tiger Woods voicemail that he left for Jamie Grubbs. And uh, on this voicemail, he basically says, hey, look, uh, it's Tiger. Um, hey, you know. My wife uh, has found out she's going to call this number. Could you please change your voicemail to the default greeting? Don't have your name on there. That way she won't bust me. But he doesn't say it quite so articulately. Actually, this is, this is the voicemail that he leaves. Check it out. Hey, it's, uh, it's Tiger. I need you to do me a huge favor. <laughs> um, can you please uh, take your name off your phone? My wife went through my phone and uh, maybe calling you. So if you can, please take your name off that and um, what do you call it? Just have it as a number on the voicemail. Just have it as your telephone number. That's it. Okay, you gotta do this for me. Huge, quickly. Alright, bye. You gotta do this for me. Huge, quickly. Yeah, man, I really need you to do this for me. Uh, you know, my wife's gonna find out. Yeah, how much are you gonna pay me first, buddy? <laughs> Uh, I mean, everybody that's involved in this, uh, the one thing I will say is everybody that's involved in this case, all right, from top to bottom, maybe not so much Tiger's wife, but everybody else that's involved in all this is just a, a complete and utter piece of crap, okay? That's just the bottom line here. Uh, anything from the women that are here uh, to Tiger himself, man, some of these people had uh, some pretty funny comments about all this also. So look, that's, that's the Tiger Woods story. It continues. The saga continues day after day. And, you know, some people make this comparison. They say, yeah, well, gee, I don't hear people talking about Derek Jeter. I mean, he's with women every single night. Look, Derek Jeter 
he can be with seven different women every single night. You know why? Derek Jeter's not married. He's smart. He decided not to get married. He's a professional athlete. He's got the world by the tail. He plays for the New York Yankees. He has a huge contract, makes a ton of money. He goes out and he can be with seven women every night if he wants to be. I mean, every year after in the offseason, you see Derek Jeter, you see pictures of him. He's on some island someplace, Aruba, Jamaica, ooh, I want to take you, Bermuda, Bahama, whatever. Okay? He's on some island someplace, and he's with some other chick every single year. It's a different woman. And that's up to him. He's a single guy. There's nothing wrong with that. If you, if you got it, use it. You know, more power to you, brother. So uh, I don't see the problem with it. But everybody's just like, man, is, is that somehow acceptable? Yeah, that's okay. He's not married. And then Tiger Woods, look, I mean, they build this guy up. The media, they build him up. Um, we build him up. We make this guy uh, bigger than what uh, he really is. And then when it comes time that, you know, you find out that he's a human being, I mean, it's tear down city. And look, who knows when the guy's going to return to golf? He's lost a lot of his endorsements. Uh, some of them have dried up. Um, other ones, uh, other sponsors say that they're going to still stand by Tiger. I don't know how you can. I don't know how you can't, I guess. Does it really matter? And the, the other, the final point on this is, and what it all comes down to, as everybody will say, is, is it really our business anyway? And my answer is mainly no, it's not. It's between Tiger, his wife, his children, and these other mistresses that he was with. That's who is really important here? The only part of this story that we, the people, kind of have a right to know about is what happened the night that he got into the accident with the fire hydrant in the tree. And the reason that we have the right to know is because the police were called out that night and there may have been a criminal assault that took place. And there was an accident that took place. And since the, the police are paid for by the taxpayers, it's a matter of public record. So in a sense, we have the right to know what went on there. But anything else that has to do with mistresses, who tigers banging, I mean, none of that really matters. I mean, none of that is should really be germane to this discussion. And we don't really have any business knowing this. And people that say we do, they're wrong. I'm sorry. We, we really, it's not our business. What happened on the property that night? Yes. Anything else? No. You know, that's... But see, we live in a tabloid, I want to know, gossipy sort of society. I'm not that kind of person. I don't know celebrity gossip. I don't know what celebrity is with who. I really don't. This Tiger Woods thing, I mean, it's, it's inescapable. It's all over sports radio. You can't get away from it. So I've decided, all right, I'm following it. I'm going to get into it. I'm going to talk about it. Because it's everywhere. It's inescapable. It's a ubiquitous part of the culture right now. So you can't really escape it. But that's what's happening. Yeah. As you can see, I could sit here and talk about the Tiger Woods story for days, possibly weeks, months, years. Who even knows? All I know is that I really don't want to talk about it anymore. We'll probably cover it on yet another show, probably for days, weeks, months to come. I would like to just have the amount of money that Tiger is pissed away in endorsements. I mean, that's what I'd like. Can you imagine that? That's got to be an insane amount. He's lost millions of dollars in endorsements. I mean, what a dummy. Never mind the cheating aspect or anything. From strictly a financial aspect, the guy is just an idiot. That's what women will do, though, man. They, they, I tell you, it's, uh, they will cause people to throw away millions and millions of dollars. It's, it's that penis. It just causes you to be stupid.
stupid. Just do some stupid, stupid things. All right, look, um, let's take a break. And then when we come back, we'll, uh, we'll get into more stuff. We got, I got Obama. Look, it's weird. In the three months that we've been on hiatus, the Obama approval numbers have taken a dump. In fact, today, the new numbers are out today. I've got brand new numbers. And uh, the disapproved numbers are pretty astronomical. I mean, it's only been 11 months to the day, or, well, 11 months and a day since Obama has taken office or so. And already the approval numbers are, are in the tank. Uh, Congress approval numbers, they've remained in the tank. They haven't got anywhere. The Democrats as a whole have taken a great big hit approval-wise. All of a sudden, it's not looking so set up for this guy. And it's people are asking the same universal question. Why? Well, the answers are very simple, and we're going to get into those in just a couple of minutes, all right? All right, if you want to contact us, mike at kmgx.com. That's the email address. This is Michael Graff in exile. Shining like a work of art. Hanging on a wall of stars. Are you what I think you It is the third and final segment of Michael Graff in Exile for this Tuesday, December 22nd, 2009. Man, it's uh, it's chilly. That cold front came through. It's like 46 degrees outside right now. And we had this storm blow through this afternoon, rain, little hail. It was pretty crazy. We've had, uh, we've had a couple of just wild weather days uh, this month. It's been... It's kind of weird and all the cold temperatures. Must be that global warming. You know, this, it's so amazing. This is just one of those things that I've wanted to get into. Well, of course, I've wanted to do the global warming update. So, you know, we've had this uh, big summit on climate change once again. And everybody's carrying on about global warming. And naturally, as soon as that happens, the weather goes haywire and there's a massive snowstorm that hits the East Coast. That is, that was perfectly timed. I mean, I have to tell you, 
Every time they talk about global warming and the need that, you know, of course, here's, here was the basics of, of this. It was a wine fest. All these other countries, they wanted to, the, the United States to step up to the plate and provide them with money because that's what global warming is really all about. It's about giving these other countries money because money's really going to solve the global crisis, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, all the usual stuff. Listen, I'm all for uh, cutting down on pollution. I'm all for conserving resources. I'm all for uh, becoming more independent here in the United States, quite frankly. But this nonsense about giving other countries money and then they do this staged walkout and they do all these other little things to try and make us feel bad. Listen, here's the thing. I'm not giving Angola a bunch of money, all right? I'm not giving Peru and Bolivia and all these other countries money, all right? If you want money, how about this? Make it yourself. I'm a little bit tired of the United States and this, and this mentality that we have to give money because somehow um, we are polluting. What about China? Nobody's asking them to give money to the big pool. What about India? They're a developing industrialized nation contributing tons of pollution. They have three times the population that the United States has. Does anybody ask them for money? Of course not. No. Do they ask China for money with five times, six times the population of the United States? No. They're asking us for all the money. Yes, we're the ones that are the major contributors, and we're the ones that are made to be the vilified bad guys that are there at, the, at this whatever the climate summit was. And then they want us to sign all the treaties, and you know what this is all about, too. And then Gordon Brown thinks that we should have some sort of independent uh, uh, group to, um, to regulate tax, this, this uh, big tax on all the countries uh, for a... Um, for a sort of global police force on climate. Yes, global police. You know those people that always talked about the new world order and like a one world government and you always thought that they were the tinfoil hat wearing weirdos that listen to Coast to Coast AM. You know what? You know, those people, they're, they're not sounding so wacky all of a sudden, are they? You know, there was, remember, it was Gordon Brown that was the first guy, one of the first guys to talk about a worldwide currency. A one-world currency. And then you had President Hu of China uh, saying the same thing. You had other people saying the same thing. And then you have uh, China the other day saying, we're not going to buy U.S. Treasury anymore. We're not going to buy dollars anymore. We're not going to use dollars. Listen, this is a, it's a serious situation here. I mean, again, I'm sort of all over the place. This is just some of the stuff that's been going on uh, more recently. But uh, listen, we have plenty of time to cover uh, topics like this on another show. And I, I do want to talk about stuff like this. It's just that the, the climate thing, that was uh, ridiculous. And again, it just illustrates how the, um, all this stuff about global warming and global climate change, it's really all about money. It's all about increasing taxes. It's all about regulating behavior. It's not even so much about the pollution. It's about making the United States pay. That's, those are the people that should be paying. How about this? How about everybody plays by the same rules then? If you're going to have uh, one set of rules for the United States, and nobody says word one when China says, yeah, you know what, we're not going to participate. We're not going to uh, play by your rules. We're going to do things our way, and that's just how it's going to be. People look at China and they go, oh, okay, well, you guys do what you want. But the United States, they hold us to a higher standard. Of course. Nobody's going to try and play games with China because China's not going to play by those rules. But here in the United States, because we have such a contingent of environmentalist nutjobs and people that will sit there and do uh, everything uh, that the, the greenies tell them to do, then that's, that's where we're at. Isn't that great? 
All right. Well, let me get into this, too, since we're here. You know, it was just 11 months ago on January 20th of this year that Barack Obama took office. And at the time, his approval numbers were up around 80%. And everything was looking great. And all oh, the media was sucking up and all the uh, Obama sycophants were out there. And they were telling us how, uh, oh, the change is coming. Well, 11 months later, his approval numbers are disastrously low. Um, the latest Rasmussen poll shows that Obama has a 44% approval rating. And his disapproval rating is also, was actually at 44% as well, yes. So, and uh, the amount of people that disapprove of his, uh, of the legislation that the Democrats are proposing on health care, 56% disapprove that legislation. So the amount of uh, the disapproval, the, the amount of people that have really taken a sharp turn here against Obama is stifling. And the question that everybody's asking is, well, why? I mean, what's gone on with this guy? And even in the three months that we haven't been doing this show, the numbers have just taken a, a huge plunge. And, you know, you might think, yeah, it's conservatives and that's really... No, no, no. It's not about conservatives at this point. Conservatives are a non-factor. They're a non-factor in the House. They're a non-factor in the Senate. They're a non-factor in general because... If, the, if, if every conservative disapproved of Barack Obama, and I'm not even going to use the word conservative, I'll say Republican. If every Republican disapproved of Barack Obama, still, he would still have a relatively favorable rating. I mean, he had that base, that base of moderates, that base of liberals. He had a, a huge base of people that supported him. Well, they have all started to turn on him. And the primary reasons are, number one, Afghanistan. Uh, during our hiatus just a few weeks ago, Barack Obama committed another 34,000 troops to Afghanistan. And if you count the 17,000 that he committed shortly after his election, which, by the way, the media swept under the rug and didn't tell you about uh, because, well, I mean, look, we, you know, we have to make sure we keep some things from the people. That's 50,000 troops that Obama has committed to Afghanistan in the time that he's been in office. And while I think it's the right thing to do, and I was consistent, I, I said when Bush did it, I was fine with it. I'm fine with it when Obama does it. But look, a lot of people aren't, including the base of people that voted for the guy. They're not fine with it. They're upset by it. And that's part of the reason that his approval rating is continuing to slip. They feel that he's broken a campaign promise. What? A president breaking a campaign promise? I'll say it ain't so. So uh, that's a part of the disapproval. And of course, we're not out of Iraq. There's, we're nowhere near getting out of there. And this 2011, this whatever it is, June of, 2000, of 2011, uh, that um, deadline to get out of Afghanistan, listen, we're, we're not going to be out of there by then. And we're not going to be out of Iraq by then. Even though the idea is that we will be, we're not. We're going to still be there. And people are upset by that. People are upset, and again, the Democrats, we're, I'm talking about the, the people in Barack Obama's base right now. Those are the same people that are also upset at him for not standing up to China, for not saying, we've had enough of the human rights violations, we've had enough of these uh, worker violations. You know, we are, uh, we're going to impose tariffs, we're going to do something, we're going to stand up, we're going to try and make it so there's not an incentive to take our jobs and bring them overseas. Barack Obama's never going to do that. Because he understands the people that are electing him and the people in his party 
You know who's doing that? Hewlett Packard, you know, Mattel, uh, all these other big companies that are over there in China that do all their business there. Anything from motherboards to dolls to toys to anything, you know, food. I mean, for God, there's just so much that's made over in China. I mean, Barack Obama is in a no-win situation in that, in that standpoint. I mean, I, in a way, I, I almost feel bad for the guy. I really do. And I'm, this is not hyperbole. I really, I almost feel bad for the guy because he really is in a no-win situation. If he stands up to China, he's going to be screwed because all those uh, corporations that help pump money into the campaign, they're not going to be too happy with him. You don't play ball with us, Mr. President. We're not going to play ball with you. He's not worried about offending China, really. He's worried about offending the corporations that are over there. Just like President Bush was afraid of it. Just like President Clinton, just like everybody else. Nobody wants to offend the corporations. You can say all the right things and say, I'm not going to let corporations take advantage of blah, blah, blah. You can say all that, but it's, it's another thing to actually go through with it. Because you can't. You need those corporations. Let's face it. So uh, that upset his, some of his base. Um, they're also upset about the health care legislation. Let's face it, uh, the majority of Americans are not happy with this because they're asking the same questions I've been asking since the outset of this. How are we going to pay for this health care resolution? There is no way. Even the proposed ridiculous tax increases that they have and even all the robbing that they're going to do from the Social Security system to help pay for this thing. Everything that they've proposed would only fund about a third of the health care to around 40%. There's no way that they're going to be able to do that. So people, the American people are actually finally starting to ask the very salient question, how the hell are we going to pay for this damn thing? And then they're seeing all the ridiculous measures that are, be, that are being put into the uh, healthcare system that they're proposing, this government-run healthcare system. And people are freaking out. And they see that the government doesn't know how to run a healthcare system in the first place. They see the VA. They see Cigna. They see state-run healthcare. And they know that it's a disaster. And they understand that no matter what we have, it's not going to be that great. Listen, what we've got right now, people that say that this is the greatest healthcare system in the world, I'm sorry. It's just not. We have the best doctors. We have the best capacity and potential to have the greatest healthcare system, but we have flaws in our system. Our system has major flaws. But guess what? A government-run system has a lot more flaws, and it's already been established. We already know this. But you know, the one, the, the system, and listen, the Democrats are fighting amongst themselves about this. Again, the Republicans are not a factor. The Republican opposition to the healthcare system is a non-factor. There are more Democrats. There are, there are only 177 Republicans in the House, okay? There are only 39 Republicans in the Senate that can oppose this thing. All right, you've got, you, you really, you have, they've already uh, voted on this thing, 60 to 39 in the Senate. So this thing, in some semblance, 60 to 39 to stop debate on it. So the debate is, is ostensibly over. So th this thing is going to get ramrod through eventually. Who knows when, but it's going to get pushed through. And which version of it is going to be pushed through? That's the other thing. This is another problem. This is another part of Barack Obama's base that's being eroded. People are not happy about the health care system. They're not. 
They're not happy about a lot of other things, too, that are going on. They see this as the same old, same old kind of Washington politics as usual. And that's why people are getting upset. See, that's the problem. When you promise people everything, you actually have to deliver. And, you know, the excuse that's being used by the uh, Obama administration, by Democrats right now is, well, hey, look, we walked into a big mess. Well, the Democrats were part of that mess. They were here from 2006 until now. They had control of the House and Senate in 2006 up until now. Obama walked in. Yeah, it was a mess. But you see, the problem with that excuse of, well, I walked into this mess, that works for so long. And then the people start to go, okay, well, yeah, all right, you walked into a mess. We got you. But what are you going to do to fix it? What have you done to fix it? And the answer is so far, um, well, I've taken this can of gas and I've thrown it on the fire. Unemployment is at 10.2%. Yeah, the economy has somewhat adjusted. The, the, the Dow, anyway, the, the stock market is somewhat adjusted. Uh, the Dow is up around 10,000. But the thing is, is that's just a natural correction. What happened was the pendulum effect. The market was overvalued in October of 2007. So then gradually it started to swing back and then it took a great big tumble and then it was undervalued. And then people came in and they bought all these penny stocks or these other stocks that had plummeted and they got a good deals on stocks. And then that caused the market to rebound somewhat. And now it's, it's coming back somewhere toward its proper value. And gas prices are creeping up again. All of these are factors that are contributing to Barack Obama's approval numbers going down. Whether it's fair or not, that's how it is. The same thing happened during the Bush administration. The same thing happened for Clinton to some extent. You know, presidents, whether it's fair or not, if the economy is not doing well, they are the blame for it. The problem with Barack Obama was he made all these promises and he's not going to be able to deliver them. Period. And, you know, for everybody that wants to make the Republicans the villains here, this is one time where you can't because they are a complete minority. The Democrats have what is basically a supermajority. They control everything. They control the House. They control the Senate. They control the White House. And soon the Supreme Court. So legislative, judicial, and executive branch controlled by the Democrats. And you're seeing the end result of it right now. That's what's happening. Listen, the Republicans had their chance and they screwed it up. But now you're seeing the Democrats screwing it up as well. That's where we're at. And my hope is in 2010, this was my hope in 2008, that the American people who say that they're fed up with this, with the you know 19% congressional approval rating and the 40, 44% approval rating for uh, President Obama, they say they're going to go and clean house. I want to see the Americans clean house in, uh, in, in 2010. Get everybody that's in the House of Representatives and basically throw almost everybody out. There's a few people in the House that are okay. But most of them just need to go. They need to be out. And, and anybody that's up for re-election in the Senate, out! Get rid of them. No more. And when it's Obama's time in 2012, Gone. It's time to clean house. It's time to get some other people in there. It's ridiculous. But anyway, uh, moving on to the healthcare situation, this is the problem. The, the bill that's being pushed through right now is the Harry Reid version of the, um, of the healthcare bill. And this is a disaster on many levels. I'll tell you, the, the one aspect of this that's gotten people the most uh, upset, though, 
And I have to admit, this is, uh, this is what bothers me, too. The one aspect of this is the, uh, is the Harry Reid's amendment. I believe it's called the manager's amendment. Now, it's on page... And by the way, uh, unlike most of the people in the Senate, I've actually tried to read through this thing. Well, when you have three months uh, on hiatus, uh, you get plenty of time to do things like reading uh, House and Senate legislation. So unlike our senators, I've actually read quite a bit of this bill. And I can tell you that on page 41, it's right here. Hold on. It's right here. Page 41 of this bill. Uh, it talks about the... Well, it talks about how you're, if you're part of, the, uh, of this option, of your, if you're part of this, uh, of this government bill, government uh, health care, you'll be paying per month for abortions for other people. You're going to be paying an abortion premium, basically. Now, it's not going to be much money. It's a couple of bucks, maybe. But think about it. You are paying for abortions, and uh, you're paying for something that you're opposed to. You're paying for what is essentially murder. And um, that's, that's what's got people pretty upset. They're like, listen, it's one thing to pay for a guy's cancer treatment. It's something to pay for somebody's chest x-ray. It's another to pay to shove a hoover up some woman's hoo-ha and suck a baby out and kill it. You know, it's a little bit different right there. When you start talking about that, that's what gets people really upset. People don't want to pay for other people's mistakes, and that's the problem. And that's been my entire problem with this health care bill in the first place. I don't want to pay for the fatsos that are now uh, on diabetes. Uh, they've got, uh, they got heart disease. They have kidney disease because they're fat. I don't want to pay for them. I don't want to pay for people that smoked themselves into lung cancer. I don't want to pay for people that were too stupid to use condoms. Do you know, I'm a 32-year-old man. Do you know how many women I've gotten pregnant? Absolutely zero. And you know why I've gotten zero women pregnant? Not because I haven't had sex with them. I've had plenty of sex. And guess what? No women pregnant. Now, how did I do that? Is it an amazing stroke of luck? Well, maybe a couple of times it was luck. But most of the time... It was me being really smart and responsible. Now imagine that, being smart and personally responsible so that I don't have to have somebody else paying for my abortion. And guess what? I wouldn't do that anyway. How about that? How's that grab you? Oh my God. I mean, it's the most ridiculous thing here. So uh, we're going to be paying for other people's abortions. That's part of this. And then there's the public option. And by the way, I told you, I told you what would happen here. I told you that if uh, part of this, uh, the Harry Reid um, portion of this is, if you don't, it would require, it would mandate every American to have health insurance. And if you didn't have health insurance, you pay a fine. You pay a penalty for not having insurance. Just like every, uh, you're all, everybody's required to have auto insurance if you drive a car. Well, you'd be required to have health insurance no matter who you are, period. Now, it's a smart thing to have health insurance, but to make it mandatory, to make it a law, there has never been a time in the United States history where we have mandated people to buy something from the government. But guess what? That's what we're doing now. We are mandating that people buy health insurance, whether they want it or not, whether they need it or not, whether they believe in it or not. We are making them buy it. And that is just something that is, to me, is unacceptable. 
And that's another reason why I would never, ever support uh, government-run health care. I'm sorry, there's just no way. And this is another reason why at least some of Obama's base is upset. You know, a lot of the Obama base, they want some sort of uh, health care plan, but a lot of them don't want some of the crap that's in here. There, believe it or not, there are pro-life Democrats who are opposed to the Harry Reid bill. Let me see if I can... Um, uh, I can't find the uh, senator's name from uh, Michigan, who is the pro-life senator. But anyway, he is a uh, pro-life uh, Democrat uh, from Michigan. And I, I, he's uh, opposed to this. There's a lot of people that are opposed to this bill, um, at least some version of it. But uh, I, I believe that a lot of them feel that they're going to pass it anyway, that they're going to get this bill passed, or at least some semblance of the bill. It'll be a weaker bill. Sort of like the Joe Lieberman version of the bill. And Joe Lieberman is uh, really being ousted by the Democrats. He was ousted a long time ago, but he's really on the outs uh, from Democrats now because uh, he's not playing ball with them at all on this. And they need his vote. They really need him here. And he will not support a public option. He's not in favor of this abortion section. There's a lot of this that he's not in favor of. And as a result, he's not going to vote on it. So... Um, but they probably will pass some semblance of a bill and send it to Obama's desk. And where Obama's base is really upset is they want the full coverage bill passed. And, and if it goes to his desk as a as sort of a watered-down version, he gets that. He has said that he will sign it regardless of what it is because he thinks that something is better than nothing. And a lot of his base say no. You're going to give us what you promised. And that's another problem with promising the kitchen sink when you come in. You better deliver everything in the kitchen sink or else people are going to be disappointed in you. And this bill is just a, a fine example of that. Look, my problem here is really simple. And I'm, I'm just going to make this very clear because we're going to have plenty of time to talk about this in upcoming shows. We have weeks and months and God, years to talk about this. The thing is, is number one, how are we paying for it? Number two, who does it cover? Number three, what are we covering? What are we paying for? That's what I want to know. Are we paying for everybody? Are we paying for people that do stupid things to themselves? Are we, you know, are we going to have uh, committees on there to decide who gets what resources? What's going to happen? If you have a 60-year-old guy and a 30-year-old guy and one of them needs a liver, you know, you have one liver to give, guess what? The 30-year-old guy is going to get it every time. Screw the 60-year-old dude because he's just going to be a drain on the resources anyway. His time, his life expectancy is much shorter, so that would be a waste. That's a great job there. That's a great government uh, system there. What a great idea. Wonderful. And don't say, Mike, you know, that's just a one really extreme argument example. That's not how it's going to be. That's, that's part of it. Listen, there are pros to a, a health care system, a good health care system. But guess what? You can't afford it. If, this, if we were living in utopia, I would say, I'm all for it. If this were utopia and we didn't have something called money and we didn't have something called capitalism and we didn't have something called... Um, you know, everybody has to work and some people work harder than others. And, you know, the, the tenets of, well, of humanity. If we didn't have the tenets of humanity, uh, I would say, yeah, what a great idea. What a great utopian philosophy a universal health care system really is. But guess what? Here in reality, that's just not how it works. And I like to live in reality.
It's not a very good, it's a harsh place, believe me. The last several months of my life have proven it is a very harsh place, and it sucks. But guess what? That's where we live. So uh, you might as well just deal with it. All right, anyway, we're going to, we, we got plenty to talk about with this thing. I, I have so many facts and figures on the healthcare system. The, the, um, the abortion deal, that's, that's really going to be rough. I know, and again, because I know I'm going to hear the criticism if, if people hear this. People are going to say, well, what about the Republicans, Mike? You're not bad. Look, the Republicans right now are, are, they might as well not even exist right now. Republicans have no say. They are in the, they are in the major minority right now. They are a slim minority in the House, the Senate, you know, in the White House, the Supreme Court, it is all run by the Democrats right now. It is their show. It is their time to show what they've got and show what they can do. And guess what? So far, they're striking out, striking out. And the American people are saying the same thing. The Republicans had their chance. They dropped the ball. The Democrats have had their chance so far. And it's even worse, which I didn't think was possible, but it is somehow. Congratulations, guys. Congratulations. Again, this is something we're going to have plenty of time to talk about. Weeks, months, years of discussion on upcoming podcasts, uh, provided that I decide to do this. Maybe I'll just give up after this one. Maybe I'll be like, okay, we did this. Nobody heard it. I can, I can go back into obscurity. <laughs> I mean, it's been three months and, and I've, I've, I've sat here for, God, how long have we been on? Over an hour. Okay, I've talked here for over an hour and all we've covered is Tiger Woods. I've talked about a little bit of what's gone on with me, um, a little bit about Christmas, the holidays. Um, we've talked about the health care, a little bit about Obama and why his approval rating is in the toilet, which, again, it's not really a mystery. That's been, that's been the case for a while. So there's nothing new there. And it's going to continue to go down. That's what happens. You ride in on this white horse and you promise everything. And then when you can't deliver it, people are going to be upset. Well, I can't understand that. We have one undefeated team left in the National Football League. The Indianapolis Colts, 14-0. The Saints lost to the Cowboys last week. Well, on Saturday. Somehow the Browns won again. I don't know. I'm leaving basically the Rams as the worst team in the NFL right now. The Rams are the worst team. And the Buccaneers, too. Ooh, boy. Can you imagine if the Rams play the Buccaneers? The world might end. I'd like to see that, actually. That'd be a... The two worst teams ever conceived by the NFL... The 2009 Rams versus the 2009... You know what? I'm going to go play that on, on Madden right now. Go fire that up on Madden, and we're going to see who wins or who loses. I'll have a complete report tomorrow. Uh, in overtime, it's a tie. 0-0. Zero, zero. That, would, that would make sense, I think. All right, you want to get in touch with the show. Here's our contact information. Mike at KMGX.com. That is still the email address. It's Mike at KMGX.com. Michael Groff Show, AOL Instant Messenger. 
Um, uh, Instant Messenger is really the best way. Email is kind of okay, but I get so much spam on my email that, God, I might miss your message. Uh, If you have IRC, that's Internet Relay Chat, go on there. The network that we're on is EFNet, all right? And then go to Pound Net Radio. That's the channel, okay? It's complicated, so IRC, whatever. You know, michaelgroff.com still has all the contact info, actually. I'm also on Facebook, if you look for Michael Groff. Um, chances are I'm on there. You'll see all my postings, and you'll figure out exactly why I've been so depressed and what's wrong with my life. And That's part of it. But more on that tomorrow. All right, uh, you have a great rest of the day. We will see you then. Uh, This is uh, Michael Groff in exile. Have a great night, everybody.